a look back at the year 2019 in the State House. Governor J.B. Pritzker dominates the news, but corruption probes cause interruptions. And it was the first year of operations for Capital News Illinois. We'll take a look at all of that this week on Capital Cast. <music> Welcome to Capital Cast. I'm Peter Hancock. I'm Rebecca Ansel. And I'm Jerry Nowicki. 2019 was a monumental year in Illinois, and you can't really talk about the year in the State House without talking about Governor J.B. Pritzker. So the year started off with Governor J.B. Pritzker, newly elected, and giving his first inaugural address in January, and he was sort of offering, sort of promising a new era of bipartisanship. Let's listen to what he had to say. So today, with all the challenges Illinois faces, Democrats and Republicans will work together. And we must begin with our most basic responsibilities. We will propose, debate, and pass a balanced budget this year. It won't be easy, but let's confront this challenge with honesty. So, Jerry, we've been talking to major players in the legislature on both Democratic and Republican sides, House and Senate. Uh, What's the assessment so far about how bipartisan it really was? Yeah, from the Republican perspective, they say, you know, we worked with them on some things, but there were quite a few things that the Democrats just kind of ramrodded through without them. The governor tried to reach out when he could. Um, From our perspective, there was uh, a lot of dialogue, it seemed, but you're never going to be without that partisan infighting at times. Rebecca, what was your observation? I spoke with Senate President uh, John Cullerton, and he had said that in all the times that he spent in the General Assembly, um, he's never seen um, a more historic session, and part of that is due to Governor Pritzker, who he said... um, really made, like Jerry said, it, it extended an ear to the Republicans to make sure that they felt heard. And quite frankly, there was a lot they had to get done uh, after four years of stagnancy uh, with Governor Rauner. So there was really no choice but to come together on a lot of this stuff. So, Jerry, you spoke with House Majority Leader Greg Harris. Let's listen to what he had to say about the session. If you look at how the Capitol bill was put together, how gaming uh, legislation was put together, a lot of bipartisanship, uh, a lot of bipartisanship on fixing DCFS. I mean, this is, these are terrible stories we're seeing come out of DCFS. And, you know, people on both sides of the aisle, you know, really want to hold people to account and make some changes over there. Uh, a lot of reforms to the Medicaid program, if you remember, uh, when the Ron administration started moving Medicaid into the hands of private uh, insurers uh, in the MCO program, local health providers had all kinds of problems with payment, claims denials, uh, nursing homes were going out of business because they were not getting paid on a timely basis by these insurers. And both sides of the aisle came together to work to solve a lot of those problems. So I, I think it was a good year for uh, 
Okay, so there we heard him talking about DCFS, the Department of Children and Family Services, where they've had some horrific stories about children dying while in state custody, uh, children suffering from abuse, as well as the state Medicaid system. Uh, he seems to suggest that a lot of this was uh, the result of the Rauner administration, got former Governor Bruce Rauner. Uh, is, that a, is that a fair statement, do you think? Uh, no, probably not uh, on its face. There's a lot of years that things have been going poorly in Illinois. Things have been underfunded for a long time. Uh, pension debt's been enormous for a long time. They've had trouble distributing funding. Uh, DCFS still isn't fixed by any means. I don't know. Uh, there's still going to have to be a lot to do on that, and you still hear a lot of stories on that. So no, I wouldn't call that fair, but Rauner didn't help anything uh, with the way he was fighting tooth and nail, even his own party, uh, for much of his governorship. Okay, and it seems like the session kind of ended on a bipartisan note with the passage of a budget and a $45 billion uh, public works program, the Capitol Bill, as they call it. Uh, but things didn't necessarily start off as being all that bipartisan. Uh, is that Was that your impression, Rebecca? Minimum wage was handled pretty early. Uh, that definitely was not bipartisan. Raising the minimum wage, phasing it into $15 an hour within... By, by 2025, yeah. I think it'll go up a dollar, I think, starting January. Yeah, yeah and, and I would also say um, it, it normal session ended maybe on a bipartisan basis, but um, veto session in the fall definitely was not. Okay. And another person you talked to, uh, Jerry, was Senate Minority Leader Bill Brady. Uh, let's listen to what he had to say. Well, I think the governor was, in terms of communication, I think he was effective in a bipartisan way. Do I believe that he uh, reached across the aisle on everything and worked with us? No. As, I, as I've said, this last session reminds me of my dad's favorite spaghetti western, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, it, um, you know, there were good things that we did. That the governor worked with us on, and that was an infrastructure bill and rebuilding our our infrastructure in this state, uh, although it's not exactly the way I would have done it, he did communicate and work with us on accomplishing, uh, a, a, I think, a very monumental package. Uh, there was some discussion with Republicans who supported, for instance, uh, the legalization of adult recreational cannabis, but there was zero discussion in the area of a uh, mandated $15 statewide minimum wage, and there was um, really no discussion. I shouldn't say discussion. There's communication, but there w was no effort to protect middle-income families on this idea of altering our Constitution from what I call a Constitution that has a fair flat tax that protects middle-income families to the governor's proposal of this quote-unquote progressive tax that really leaves taxpayers vulnerable. Okay, so he ran through quite a list of things there. Uh, the minimum wage, uh, legalization of recreational marijuana, the fair tax. Um, it seems like, I guess that's part of why we call it a monumental year. I mean, there were major pieces of legislation, uh, but not all of them were that bipartisan, were they? No, uh as Leader Harris put it um, at, in another quote, he said, the, those are philosophical differences. Those are things you're never going to come to an agreement on. 
the Republicans just don't want them to happen in any respect. Um, Republicans say, you know, you, you hire wages, you raise wages by uh, in making it easier to do business in the state, uh, making more jobs available so people can get other jobs where they're higher paying. So, yeah, there's philosophical differences that they're never going to gap. And, uh, Rebecca, what were uh, some of the other things that the governor worked on and that Democrats worked on, one that you covered extensively was the Reproductive Health Act. Uh, that kind of split down partisan lines quite a bit, didn't it? Yeah, like Jerry said, philosophically, Republicans, I don't think, will ever um, sign on to a piece of legislation that um, enshrines access to reproductive health care, including access to abortion, as a fundamental right in the state so that no level of government in Illinois can um, impede that access. Okay. Um, and so we've talked about, you know, Governor J.B. Pritzker was very successful in getting what was essentially a pretty liberal progressive agenda through the General Assembly, along with bipartisan work on the budget and a capital bill. But if Governor Pritzker was dominating the news, then we also had, I guess, the second most influential entity in the state was the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Uh, Jer you and I were upstairs uh, when uh, federal agents executed a search warrant on the State House office of Senator Martin Sandoval, who is now scheduled to retire. Um, we also saw uh, the arrest of State Representative Luis Arroyo. Uh, we saw the indictment of State Senator Tom Cullerton, who apparently is coming back in the 2020 session. And that then led to a lot of discussion about ethics reform, uh, primarily from Republicans. Uh, how did we wind up on that? There will be a commission to study ethics uh, that'll report in March. I think the end of March is when they're scheduled to report. There was another bill uh, that sort of tightened lobbyist disclosures for subcontract lobbyists. Uh, they got a uh, kind of divulge who's paying their bills now. Um, I think in many ways there's a lot that remains to be seen on what's going to happen from the ethics. Okay, so Republicans came in. They actually had several bills that they wanted the General Assembly to consider uh, during the veto session, but they didn't. They ended up forming this commission, uh, which some people viewed as kind of kicking the can down the road a little bit. Right. Uh, Leader Harris is on that commission too. Yeah. Um, Let's listen to House Republican leader Jim Durkin, who seemed to be okay with it, but not. Yeah, the, the Republicans kind of push back on it because they believe there's a partisan tilt to the uh, makeup of the commission. So let's listen to uh, House Republican leader Jim Durkin. Look, I think it's, 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 it's fine. It's fine. I supported it, but we could have had a jump start on reform it, with we refer to as low-hanging fruit, which is reform to the economic interest statements to reflect what uh, candidates for judge do in the state of Illinois. We could have done something as simple as banning lobbying for legislators, but that was rejected by the Democrat leadership that, that we're not prepared to take that up. That is not something that takes a lot of study. Okay, and there were some other criticisms of the commission. For one thing, I guess their report is supposed to come out toward the end of March. Is that right? Right. And a lot of Republicans noted that will be after the March primaries. Uh, so uh, they're kind of covering themselves politically a little bit there. Yeah, and I asked Leader Harris uh, what he thought about that. 
and let's listen to what he said. If, if if we had had it sooner, they were probably complained it's before March primaries and that everyone's grandstanding to get votes. So yeah, I, I just want to do what's right, you know, ethically. I, I want to you know close some of these loopholes and gaps which we found people taking advantage of. Um, yeah, I don't want this to be a kicking the can down the road exercise. I don't want it to be a grandstanding exercise. I want people to come in there and do real work. I think everyone in the state agrees that we have some real problems. Okay, so we will get this report. Uh, is it likely to be like a package of individual reforms that they can enact, or is it going to be like one big omnibus bill? Yeah, he told me they'd look at the potential of pushing stuff out as they went along, if individual stuff could happen sooner, or they'd also consider a big omnibus bill omnibus bill at the end of the uh, reporting in March. Jerry kind of brought this up already, but um, Republicans' frustration is uh, there were quite a few measures that had been introduced in January and February um, that would fix a lot of the things that, you know, as the session progressed, we discovered were... Uh, ethical issues or lapses, whatever you want to call them. Um, Representative Mike Murphy, for instance, had a bill he proposed in January to cap lawmakers um, from receiving a full month's pay if they resigned, retired on the first day of the month. Um, And we've seen that this is an issue now with Senator uh, Martin Sandoval, um, Senate President John Cullerton, like uh, Representative Luis Arroyo. He, He resigned effective December 1st. And Martin Sandoval is retiring effective January 1st. And both of them will get the full month's pay for those months because they were on the payroll for one day. So, the yeah, the Republicans believe there's a lot of low-hanging fruit like that. And that's what they call it all the time. That's the talking point they use. And they say that can be passed without any study, uh, as Leader Durkin uh, kind of mentioned. Senator Don Harmon, who's an assistant majority leader, um, had said that some of the things that he would have liked to have seen would be um, um, a measure to, to prevent legislators from having to um, do their their lawmaking work and also worry about campaign uh, fundraising. Um, he thinks there should be greater separation there. Um, there was another bill that had been introduced early in session um, that that would strengthen sort of the statement of economic interest and make it, you know, more of a compelling document and these are things that it seems both parties sort of agreed on passing but they just didn't want to tackle it in veto okay and so these are all things we've all been talking to the various leaders and players on on all sides here as we're preparing a package of year-end review uh, that will be coming out later this month meanwhile one other thing I guess we should I want to talk about was that a year ago at this time Capital News Illinois was just putting together this team I don't know about you, but uh, as I look back on the air, I had no idea that this is what we were going to be getting into. Uh, Jerry, what do you think? It was an exciting time to kick off this bureau, and I think we were, it showed that we were much needed with the volume of stuff that went out and a diminishing press corps. We could help kind of fill the gaps um, that other reporters can't because they're so understaffed. Yeah. Rebecca, what were your thoughts? I um, had worked at another outlet last session when, when Governor... Bruce Rauner was still in office, um, the the change in action taken by the General Assembly under his last year as governor and Governor Pritzker's first year in office, um, astronomical. There's so many more things that got done. And um, I uh, am, am just, you know, for journalism, it's great to see that, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back, but that we are here, 
we had four reporters during session and were able to share a lot of news and content with readers across the state who might not otherwise have, have gotten that news. Okay, and we just got the latest statistics about the Bureau. Uh, so far, our stories have been carried in 381 newspapers throughout the state of Illinois. Uh, we've uh, had 3,058 stories picked up. If you count how many uh, each story and each paper it was in, that's 17,395 publishings of our stories. And those newspapers have a combined circulation of just under 2 million, 1.99 million people. So as you were saying, Jerry, yeah, it sounds like people are interested in state house coverage, even though it's getting more and more difficult for uh, traditional media outlets to provide that. Uh, and so it sounds like it feels to me like we've been fairly successful, about as successful as you could be in our first year. Right. We still get a lot of feedback uh, from the newspapers that run our stuff, from the readers on Twitter and email for better or for worse. And I think it's been pretty received pretty well. Okay, well, that will do it for this week on Capital Cast. Capital Cast is a production of Capital News Illinois, a news operation, a statehouse reporting operation of the Illinois Press Foundation. Until next week, thank you for listening.